Birdnote presents. This is the English version of this episode. Si quieres escuchar la versión en español, busca Threatened in Español en tu aplicación de podcast o puedes encontrar un enlace en las notas del programa. Today on Threatened, we've got the story of a small bird and how it became a symbol of environmental protection in Puerto Rico. It's called the Julian Chivi, or Black Whiskered Vireo, and it was saved by one community standing up against some powerful forces. I'm Ari Daniel, and this story comes to us from producer Mariana Reyes. We actually have a saying in Puerto Rico that is relevant to this story and to birds. It says, Cada guaraguao tiene su pitirre, or every hog has its king bird. Ah, interesting. What, what does that mean exactly? Well, the guaraguao is a red-tailed hog, and most birds are afraid of it, except for the small pitirre or gray king bird. It is kind of like the Bible story of David and Goliath, where no enemy is too big. Okay, I see. But how does that connect to the story of the Julian Chivi? In this story, the hawk is a mining company. And the small birds, they are the people from a place called Adjuntas. The Julian Chivi itself will show up later in their efforts. Adjuntas is a mountainous town at the center of the island of Puerto Rico. Back in the 80s, the nearby mountains were full of valuable copper, gold, and silver. At the time, mining companies filed for permits to extract the copper. It was 1980. The government was willing to approve the proposal for open pit mining projects in an area of 37,000 acres of land in the municipalities of Adjuntas, Jayuya, Utuado, and Lares. The project would have destroyed the flora and fauna of a large ecosystem, impacting local water supplies and farms thousands of families were at risk of losing their homes. Extracting resources like this has profound consequences for land and water. I mean, people around the world struggle with this, with how to keep this activity out of their communities. And usually the companies with big money win. So what did these families do? Well, there was a couple who led the struggle. That was Tinti de Ya and Alexis Masol. Alexis is a civil engineer and grassroots community leader. For more than 40 years, he has been on the forefront of the environmental justice movement in Puerto Rico. He is an inspiration to many people, including me. I talked to him at Casa Pueblo in Adjuntas over coffee. Alexis shared how in the 80s the couple first tried to organize their community. Y nosotros de esa no sabíamos qué hacer y celebramos una primera jornada antiminera y después de invitar a medio país vino más que una persona. What Alexis is saying is even though Tinti and him invited people from around the island to protest with them in Adjuntas, 
only one person showed up. One. Y eso se convirtió en un reto. But instead of giving up, they took it as a challenge. At first, the approach was straight to the point. They wanted people to know what was going to happen and the devastating effects the open pit mining project would have on their families from several perspectives. The environment, the economy, and their health. The facts presented were alarming, but the approach obviously wasn't working. So Tinti and Alexis had to change course. Y decidimos organizarnos desde la perspectiva comunitaria con la gente del pueblo, con las diferencias, porque en las diferencias es que está la unidad. Y de ahí nace una ecuación que es, la podemos describir como ciencia, que nos da el conocimiento para rebatir los argumentos de la minería, más cultura, que nos da la identidad y el orgullo de ser puertorriqueñas y puertorriqueños, más comunidad. Mariana, it sounds like they were really trying to kind of organize themselves around their community and get that perspective from their community and seek unity that way. Yes. Besides the science, they added culture and community. That meant inviting artists to join them in protests, performances and other events. Protests in Puerto Rico may seem joyful to other people. Live music is usually part of such events, and so is dancing and singing while people march. The early efforts to protect the forest at Adjuntas picked up this tradition and added a cultural element to their strategy. From then on, there was live music, storytelling, and workshops at all their events. The group of organizers eventually established themselves as Casa Pueblo, which in English means literally people's house, and led a long journey of 15 years against the open pit mining project. Así que una comunidad con orgullo y con conocimiento puede hacer transformaciones. Casa Pueblo learned by doing that scientific knowledge and cultural pride can transform communities. In 1995, Pedro Rosselló, the then governor of Puerto Rico, signed a law banning open pit mining, thanks to the movement led by Casa Pueblo. After 15 years of organizing, the forest in Adjuntas, once targeted for mining, became the only natural resource in Puerto Rico to be managed by a community group. And it was renamed Bosque del Pueblo, or the People's Forest. Tan pronto obtuvimos la victoria, nos volvimos a preguntar hacia dónde vamos. ¿Cuál es el país alternativo que queremos? Porque el país que es alternativo hay que construirlo. Decidimos evolucionar de la protesta sin descartarla a la alternativa sostenible. Entonces, a la resistencia, que es fundamental de este país, le añadimos alternativa. Resistencia más alternativa es igual al bosque del pueblo. Casa Pueblo won the fight and took over the management of the forest, but they didn't do so without some introspection. They wanted to build a new country, a new way of living in community, building a sustainable alternative. As Alexis just said, going from protesting to creating that alternative. They started to really look 
and listened to the forest. And that is how they noticed the sound of the Julian Chibi. Ideas on how to accomplish the transformation they were aiming for would come from those living high up in the forest that surrounds Casa Pueblo. Cuando nosotros logramos el bosque del pueblo, eh, que empezamos a hacer el inventario de flora y fauna, empezó a llegar en como en febrero un pajarito que cantaba y durante todo el año eh, de, de septiembre a, a, a febrero no se no se escuchaba y entonces buscamos los herpetólogos, los micólogos, los, los especialistas en, en aves. Y, oye, ¿cómo se llama ese ave? Se llama el Julián Chiví. Nos pareció tan interesante que empezamos a celebrar un festival todos los años del recibimiento al Julián Chiví. The Julián Chiví is a small olive gray bird with a short, thick beak and distinctive black lines on the sides of its throat. It comes to Puerto Rico every year and breeds in the people's forest, among other places. Alexis named it Puerto Rico's ambassador to the rest of Latin America because the bird flies every year from Puerto Rico to South America, but they are born here. This is a relevant metaphor given the fact that Puerto Rican people have no actual embassies anywhere. Yo creo que no teniendo nosotros embajadores ni teniendo relaciones con otros países, pues el Julián Chiví resuelve problemas políticos de Puerto Rico porque él representa a los todos puertorriqueños en toda Latinoamérica. The Julián Chiví became a symbol for the people of Adjuntas. In the late 90s, Casa Pueblo started celebrating a yearly festival to welcome the bird. They offered educational and cultural programming. They even have their own radio station, and their theme song is a tribute to the Julian Chibi. Transmite Radio Casa Pueblo, Voz de las Aguas, los Bosques y Nuestra Gente. WOQI 1020 AM, Adjuntas, Puerto Rico. The song is a welcome to the Julian Chibi, but it also talks about friendship and getting to know each other. En el recibimiento, primero que tratamos es de escucharlo, y después que tú lo escuchas, pues te sientes bien feliz. Pero la segunda felicidad es conocerlo, hacer la amistad, abrazarnos, mirarnos. And of course, the Julian Chibi sings as well. At the festival, the first thing that they try to do is listen to the bird and feel happiness for its return and also for being with each other. Y finalmente hacíamos una ceremonia de recibimiento donde se hablaba del ave y de que emigra, que era un embajador puertorriqueño en la tierra latinoamericana. Nos acostábamos sobre la tierra, hacíamos una oración sobre Julián Chiví, lo que pensábamos. Después se escribía. Era, era bien místico. Well, it, it's it's really something. I mean, like the this Julian Chivi becomes kind of the anthem, the mascot, the the ambassador, as Alexis points out, of their whole effort. 
Yes, and he also mentions that in this yearly event to receive the Julian Chibi, they would just stay still and listen to it. They would also lay down on the grass and think about the bird and write whatever came to their mind. So it was a very specific process that they went through with their relationship to the Julian Chibi. And, you know, this movement to protect the forest and, as you said, Mariana, combining knowledge about the science with cultural pride has had profound consequences for the region and the people living there. More on that after the break. Join BirdNote on Wednesday, March 27th for a captivating conversation about the power of photography. A panel of esteemed photographers will share their experiences, breathtaking captures, and insights into how stunning imagery can inspire action for birds. Plus, stick around to hear the winners of BirdNote's 19th birthday photo contest. Register for free at birdnote.org. So, Mariana, the movement led by Alexis and Casa Pueblo, it sounds remarkably transformative. And I'm wondering, how do you think standing up to the mining company and then winning against that company, how did it change the community? What's been the impact that Casa Pueblo has had on the community? Well, if we are literal about it, the first thing they did was to preserve a place and its people along with the Julian Chibi. A community is still standing because it was able to stop a mining project. Later on, Casa Pueblo turned into a place where another way of living is possible, another kind of life. The best example is a campaign in favor of solar power. In recent years, they have put in a lot of effort and resources to create a movement and a shift towards solar energy in adjuntas. When hurricanes Irma and Maria hit in 2017, Puerto Rico was left in the dark for months. You might not realize how much you need electricity for many activities until you don't have it for days, weeks, or months. It is truly life-changing. This organization took matters into their own hands and started a solar insurgency. Casa Pueblo transformed part of the center of their town into a solar-powered area. They are leading the way for other organizations and communities that learned the hard way that we must be ready for extreme weather events and their consequences. Three months before Maria, in July of 2017, we managed to achieve the 100% of the energy of Casa Pueblo. We were independent. And three months later, came Maria. She was the light for five months in Adjunta, less in Casa Pueblo. And Casa Pueblo became an oasis energetic. That's really incredible to have that kind of self-sufficiency that Casa Pueblo's facility was able to get entirely off the grid just three months before the hurricanes of 2017. So after the storm, their organization became an oasis for the people that needed to recharge electronics and medical devices, cook their meals and rest to survive, really. 
Yes, exactly. When these environmental threats are just an idea or an abstraction, it is not easy to have people go out of their way and join efforts to solve these issues. But having a threat that is tangible, like needing to turn on the lights in your house, changes your mindset because you need to solve the issue soon. Of course, there are always setbacks. In 2014, a fire broke out in the People's Forest and burned a large part of it. Alexis says that the fire was caused by arson. De hecho, una vez le pegaron fuego al bosque y en un solo día sembramos más de mil árboles y la gente llegaba allí y decía, este bosque es mío y sembraba un este bosque es mío. Nosotros interpretamos eso como un territorio social conquistado. So the community, Alexis is saying, showed up for the forest after the fire too. Yes, they replanted 1,000 trees. And as they did it, they said, this forest is mine. So now they feel a sense of ownership of the forest that they didn't feel, for example, before the fight against the mining companies in the 80s. The fire moved people to act in different ways and generated creative responses like the one from Tere Marichal. Tere is an actress, a storyteller, and a beloved children's entertainer. I'm Tere Marichal from Puerto Rico, and in 2014, when the fire destroyed the forest, um, I was very sad. And when I have a very strong feeling about something, I always create something, because, because I understand that I live in a colony, and when you live in a colony like Puerto Rico, you learn to create a lot because there are so many things that happens in our history and our society that if you don't use your courage to create something, you get mad. <laughs> so I decided to write a story about the Julian Chibi. And the story was called uh, My House is on Fire. My House is on Fire tells the story of a Julian Chibi arriving to the Bosque del Pueblo. Everyone in the forest was happy. Well, not everyone. There were some insects that were very worried because the Julian Chibi loves to eat insects. A fire breaks out in the forest and the birds and insects plant trees and spread seeds afterwards to rebuild it. When I heard Tere's stories, I was left with the idea that building community is always an ongoing process. Casa Pueblo's mission has a strong educational component that led them to create the festival in which the community welcomes the Julian Chibi when it returns every year. Y esa es la herramienta nuestra, la ciencia, la cultura y comunidad. Y la cultura nuestra es fundamental y cuando eh, protegiendo el ambiente. Y protegiendo ese ambiente tuvimos 15 años hasta que logramos la victoria y celebramos 15 años después. Donde había uno, habían 10.000. Alexis mentioned that it took 15 years to go from an event with only one person in attendance to having more than 10,000 people celebrating the people's triumph. The Julian Chivis migrant nature has also been linked to the constant flow of Puerto Rican people to the U.S. and back. Y resulta que una vez me invitaron a una escuela a darle un a fuentecito 
Y le hizo un cuento de Julián. Esto que estoy hablando. Alexis is saying that he was invited to a school to read stories to kids. Y le pregunté por qué el pajarito regresa en febrero. Y una nena dijo, Mr. Joe, Mr. Joe. Dice, porque ese pajarito ama mucho Puerto Rico. ¿Y por qué tú lo sabes? Dice, sí, porque regresa en febrero y febrero es el mes del amor. One girl mentioned that the bird came back every February because it loves Puerto Rico and February is the month of love. Entonces otro nene me dice, es como, es como mi papá. ¿Y cómo es tu papá? Dice, mi papá se va todos los años a coger tomate a New Jersey, pero siempre regresa como el Julián Chibi porque ama a su familia. A boy compared it to his father that goes back to the States every year to work in seasonal agriculture. Entonces, otra nena dijo, don Alex y yo, yo, mira, yo sé por qué Julián Chiví siempre regresa. ¿Y por qué? Me dijo, porque él viene a tener sus crías con ciudadanía puertorriqueña. Finally, another student suggests that the Julián Chiví comes back because it has Puerto Rican citizenship. It's just awesome to have this welcome back party for the Julian Chivi become part of the fabric of the community. To say, like, you're welcome back here to Adjuntas, to Puerto Rico. Yes, exactly. The Julian Chivi Festival is also a good excuse to gather people, play music, and spend time with each other. That is the case in my own community, in Santurce, a district in the capital city of San Juan. I have seen that when you add a cultural element like a festival to your organizing strategy, people tend to be more open to getting together to talk about problems and brainstorm solutions. So Casa Pueblo's strategy is gathering people in a joyful and thoughtful way in order to stay in contact and aware of issues they have in common. I love that because ultimately what they're trying to achieve is they're trying to protect their community and trying to protect their surroundings. And in order to maybe do that most effectively, you have to be in a spot where you're actively appreciating that community and your surroundings. And it sounds like that's what they've captured by bringing people together. You know, not with the stated purpose of organizing, but it's capturing that sense of community that they're able to leverage. It seems like there was a kind of ripple effect that once the people of Ajuntas took responsibility for their forest and for protecting it, that it kind of continued to make waves and continued to, you know, it made a lasting difference. And that first win kind of instilled in them something that's really lasted for a long time. The influence of Casa Pueblo on various social movements in Puerto Rico is undeniable. Their success and longevity is unusual for a grassroots community initiative. This organization has been an inspiration to many, including me. In 2015, the local public school in my community in Santurce was closed as a result of ongoing budget cuts. Over 600 public schools have been closed in Puerto Rico in the last decade, so we organized. A group of neighbors got together and demanded that the school remain in the hands of the community. After five years of hard work, the school is now a community cultural center called Lagoico that serves the residents of the area. It is a historic building facing one of the busiest and most gentrified areas of San Juan. We work every day to make the lives of our neighbors a little better. 
the center has become a cultural anchor where we gather to talk and work through our collective problems. Our programming includes music concerts and workshops, film screenings and classes, psychotherapies, and a community garden where birdhouses built by neighborhood kids attract hummingbirds every day. There are lots of ongoing fights in Puerto Rico to protect resources, to create resilience. Next week, we're going to hear about a different kind of fight, one that centers around changing the name of a bird to accurately reflect its natural history. And we're not talking about its common name. We're talking about its scientific name, the Latin one. Todus Mexicanus is the Puerto Rican toady in English, but the scientific name is a mistake that comes from the 19th century. That's next week on Threatened. This episode was produced by Mariana Reyes Anglero, Joanne Gil Rivera, and me, Ari Daniel. It was edited by Caitlin Pierce of the Rough Cut Collective and Laura Marina Boria. It was sound designed and mixed by Leah Shaw Dameron. Fact checking by Connor Guerin. Our theme song and original music were composed by Ian Koss, with additional music by Biento de Agua. Threatened is a production of Birdnote and overseen by content director Allison Wilson. You can find a transcript of the show and additional resources, Birdnote's other podcasts, and much more at birdnote.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.